0: Hi, I'm Sarah. Welcome to Psalm Talks. I'm finally back after a much-needed break. And can I say, a reset feels so good. So, in today's episode, we are joined by the amazing Matthew Harms. Matthew is a New York-based author. He is also a ghostwriter. He has his own company called Pen For Hire. Matthew has an incredible story to share. He was not always an author. Well, not professionally but he definitely was one in his heart and as a spirit and he shares that in today's podcast how his how his drive to follow his dream to write was always with him and how it eventually pulled him out of the corporate job and got him into his own path matthew is authentic he is an exceptional storyteller so i'm so excited for you to be listening to this podcast If you are on the fence of following your path, if you feel like your path is the one which is less traveled, if you are somebody who finds less support in their surrounding in relation to following their path, then this is your episode. I am very excited for you to hear it, to understand and learn the nuggets of wisdom that Matthew drops pretty much throughout the episode. And can I say, I have learned so much from this episode. I feel like Matthew has a way of talking where he keeps everything very straightforward, black and white. And it's through the maturation of thoughts, through his own deep thinking that he has such clarity in what he envisions and what he thinks. And I really benefited from that and I hope you do as well. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to give us a follow or subscribe to the channel. Give us a rating, a review. It's always very helpful because this channel is new. And yeah, I'll leave you to the episode now. Matthew Harms, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sarah.
0: Thank you for being here. So Matthew, you are a writer from New York. You also have your own business called Pen for Hire. Quite interesting stuff. I had this conversation with you a few weeks back where you had explained that this all happened by accident. I would love to get to know you a little bit more, starting with that story.
1: Okay. So really, I've been writing since I was a kid. I guess we'll go back to that. Um, But somehow I I wound up on this path that others picked for me, which turned into retail financial services. Um, And I came to a point in 2017 where I realized I absolutely hated what I was doing. Um, I kind of knew all along I wasn't happy, but it just got to a point of pure misery. Uh, and to take my mind off of it, I got back to writing for the first time in in a number of years. And I published my first book on Amazon um, about kind of my experiences and how I wind up where I was. Then the next year I published my second book. And that kind of gave me the confidence to finally say, you know what? I don't need to be working for this company that I hate in this industry that I hate with people that I hate. And I found a part-time consulting job in New York city, working with junior high school students, teaching them how to use writing as a form of social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. So basically here's how you use writing to deal with your emotions instead of violence. And that was a significant pay cut. Uh, But the the fulfillment was more than made up for any financial uh, hardship. Then the pandemic happened. The school shut down. Uh, I was only a consultant, so I stopped getting paid. And I was fortunate enough to meet a gentleman who was already a best-selling author. His business was doing incredibly well. And he approached me when he found out that I was a writer. I had written my own books and basically said to me, you can write books. I need a book. You're out of a job. I'm going to pay you to write my next book. Wow! I did not even know ghost writing was a thing, um, but he explained that it's it's actually fairly common for professionals to hire someone to write because they're too busy or they lack the skill set. Um, and the next thing you know, I helped him finish his book. He coached me into starting pen for hire, and in the last two years, we've now worked with over two dozen authors, business owners, anyone who's wanted to get their message out.
0: Wow. That's straight out of a movie.
1: <laughs> you know, people say, what's the expression? Um, oh, it's going to escape me now. But oh, I'm drawing a blank. It's, okay. it's always right there on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. But it's one of those hokey expressions that I never believed in. Mm-hmm. But everything happens for a reason. And apparently I quit my job for a reason. The pandemic happened for a reason. And I met this gentleman for a reason. And now I get to spend every day doing what I love and helping people tell their story.
0: Yeah, everything does happen for a reason. And this story is quite interesting. You know, I've never really heard something quite like this. It's one of those stories which make me wonder how many pieces are working behind the scenes when somebody really wants to fulfill their desire.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, it took a lot for me to realize that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. Um, in fact, one of the expressions I've learned since is sometimes we don't make a change until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change.
0: Yeah, it truly, it truly is that that is truly correct. I remember um, having this conversation with a group of people um, in this session, in, in a conversation session. It was much of a coaching session, but um, one of the things that stuck with me there was um, a slide that I had prepared, and I'd never this never really came to me as clearly as until that point. And the slide said that you're going to stay in your comfort zone until and unless the growth pain is more than your desire of change. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I never had that clarity. And it's funny how I'm having this clarity right now in a coaching session as I'm coaching somebody and I have that slide prepared. So, yeah, I feel like l- listening to your story, it is truly one of those moments where you have been is- in a certain path for a long time, but the desire to change overtakes the growth, uh, the pain of growth. And that's when you started to make the change.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for the, I'm not going to call it bad advice, but I'll I'll call it misguided advice um, from when I was younger of getting a stable job or getting a job that had a guaranteed paycheck and not being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, My family, I don't think there were any entrepreneurs short of um, myself. Well, now myself, my brother, like we're all first generation Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Everyone else had a very regimented job. My father worked at the post office for 40 something years, knew he was getting a pension, knew his medical insurance was taken care of. And that was always the advice we were given, right? Get a, get a stable job where you know your bills are going to be paid. Uh, You can get two, three weeks vacation if you're lucky. And you may have a retirement plan when you get older. Now, by the time that happened to me, companies weren't even given pensions anymore. So it was either go to college or become a cop Mm -hmm. or a fireman.
0: Yeah, it's really that situation. And when your father has been in a job for 40 years, obviously he's very, his mindset is conventional. He's obviously looking for security and that is something that he would want from his kids as well. Being one of those kids, how did that feel? Did that feel like security or did that feel like lack of freedom?
1: It definitely felt like lack of freedom. Uh, you know, looking at his situation, I could see where it made sense or why he did what he Mm -hmm. did. Uh, But for me, so much had changed from the time he made his career decision to when I was in high school or going to college, that those learnings or that advice I didn't feel was really relevant. And I wound up trading my desire or my freedom for what I like to call golden handcuffs.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Golden handcuffs. Nice.
1: Yeah. Paycheck was guaranteed. I, I knew what I was going to get. Yeah. Every couple months you get a raise, um, but it was just enough to keep you coming back.
0: Yeah. So when you're talking about this time in your life, it is quite difficult to break away from something like this. Because your entire family is counting on your dad's paycheck. Or that, you know, that stable job. Was your mom working at that time?
1: Um, My mom was working when we were very little. By the time I was in high school, she was um, fully diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and was no longer able to work.
0: So, So that just makes the situation a little bit more complicated, you know, because now you have your mom who you also have to care for. And the family dynamic is as such that there are really less opportunities for risks. This is something I experienced when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and for some time he had to stop working, and obviously he had a, you know, he had a good paying job, the nine-to-five, which was taking care of him a little bit, but a lot of us had to jump in and, you know, provide for them, my family, my parents specifically, and at that time you really cannot take risks because now you have a responsibility. So I would love to learn about how you navigated through that time. Was it easy and did you get the opportunity to break free while you were in that dynamic?
1: You know, navigating it was always kind of dipping one toe in the water, but never letting go of the safety net. So I remember Mm -hmm. after being convinced to go to college, I'm going to use the word convinced to put it nicely. Um... A friend of mine and I, someone who shared kind of the same ambitious, like, I don't want to do this, I wanna set out and do my own thing. We started a real estate investment company in the beginning of college and we were buying houses. This was prior to the whole financial collapse, with no money, like you name it, we were doing it. Um, but never quite able to leave school, never quite able to leave the jobs we were working, because even though we were, I was, I'll speak for myself, forced to go to college. No one was paying for it. I picked the college that gave me the most scholarship money um, Mm. because that was the only way I could afford it. I made my schedule in such a way that all my courses were on three days. Uh, This way, I was able to work the other four days a week a full-time job to pay for college.
0: Wow. You were going to college, which you didn't want to go to, paying for it from your pocket, managing so many things, juggling multiple things, and you were unhappy. Doing all of that? Pretty much. Oh, that, that sounds that sounds like a difficult situation. And in a way, I can relate to you because when you're not following your path, everything seems difficult to do. you know And when I was when I hadn't started following my path, I remember even if I'm in the fanciest place in a, in a very nice restaurant, having dinner after my work day, I was miserable. Because I just didn't like what I was doing. And it didn't matter where you take me, how happy, you know, how happy everybody else is around me. I just didn't feel happy because I knew that I'm taking away from my own potential and my own time. And rather than following what I really am, what I really do want to follow, I'm just following everybody else.
1: Yeah, if you're anything like me, the beginning of those nice dinners or times out were we're always enjoyable, right? Because you're you've just forgotten yeah. what you left But as that night wears on or comes to an end, it suddenly all the joy gets sucked out because you start thinking about, oh, I got to wake up and do this all over again tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it continues. It continues to the point that you decide that, okay, I'm not going to have it anymore.
1: Yeah, it gets to the point where I know you and I have had this conversation about just how powerful the mind is. Where you're physically making yourself sick because you're so unhappy with what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is actually really, really powerful. And I would love to talk about it a little bit more. Um you're saying like physically making yourself sick just because you're unhappy with what you're doing. And then we think that our body's giving us signals that okay, you're unhappy, you know, make a change. And this is really interesting that you mentioned it and that you experienced it because a lot of the times we do not understand that we subconsciously are putting hurdles on our way because we are not happy in what we're doing. So we are in a way, our conscious mind, which, is, which wants to take the logical decision, which wants to do the safe thing, which always wants to make sure that nothing goes wrong and is following the safe path. When the conscious mind just does what makes sense and the subconscious mind, which knows that there is a way, which, know, which is connected to our consciousness, it often gives us hints through gut feelings and intuition and thoughts. Did you experience something like that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I knew not that I've really ever been a morning person, but most mornings I, I couldn't get out of bed. Like I had no desire to get out of bed. My body was telling me just to stay in bed. Um, I maybe in my entire career called out legitimately sick four or five times. uh, And toward the end, it was like almost every single day I was trying to find a reason to call out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar, even though even though I'm not, you know, I try to, um, you know, be a good corporate employee. That does sound familiar. It does come to a point where your internal struggle overtakes um, and you're not able to help it. And you, you know, you're calling in sick or you're looking for excuses just to avoid that place.
1: When you said something interesting, that good corporate employee, right. When you finally realize that that is just a definition, either we, we put on ourselves or that yeah. we're conditioned to believe you need to be, because the company doesn't care about you. And I don't want to say there aren't companies out there who maybe are better than others, but for the most part, at the end of the day, any corporate job I've ever had thats you know been a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company, they really don't care. They will tell you they care. But when it comes down to it, they do not.
0: They don't. It's true. <laughs> and the reason, you know, the reason I say this is because whoever is listening and they want to make a change and they're in their corporate job and they're thinking, what is my boss going to think? What are my colleagues going to think? Let me tell you this. When I left my position, I was very loved in my position, you know, uh, very celebrated, I would say. When I left, it took them 10 days to replace me. And I never got a call back from anybody, you know, like just on Facebook, maybe once in a while. Hey, Sarah, that's it. Like happy birthday. That's about it. You know, no real conversation. And I'm talking about people that I have had spent long conversations with, which were real. And so, you know, only maybe a few, like the ones who are in my neighborhood, those are the ones that I see regularly. So they, but other than that, my, the people at work who I thought really celebrated me, they never looked back.
1: So, this is something else you and I have spoken about, but the expression misery loves company is the, the truest example of that is in the corporate structure. Because I remember the Mm -hmm. exact same experiences you're talking about, colleagues who I worked with for three, four, five, six years, and we would all have the same complaints. We would all have the same issues. Um, And when it came time to discussing what we would do, 90% of them, the answer is always, well, let's go look for another at this company. But it was always doing the same thing, just somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. that was always acceptable. But if you were the one in that conversation to be like, well, I'm thinking of starting my own business. Then it was always like, oh, well, you can't do that. Like, why would you do that? That's that's crazy. Um, and much like you, you're, you're doing everything. You're celebrated. You're, you're hitting all of the company expectations. And then you resign. And these people who you were close to for four five, six years, all of a sudden, now you're not miserable anymore. And they don't want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm.
0: How did you feel when people that were close to you or that you thought had really, you know, cared for you? Now- they were all of a sudden, they were not interested in hanging out with you or having conversations with you. Does that, did that make you question everything that you had with them? So
1: at first, at first it definitely did. Um, I quickly realized there was no need to question. It just proved their true colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in almost every single case, I haven't lost a wink of sleep over it. My life is better off without them in it because they're still doing that miserable thing that I want nothing to do with.
0: That That's amazing. Yeah, that is true. You know, the true colors. For me, you know, I get very interested when people say that you're, I think you're a lot more um, composed or headstrong than me in that case, because it did hit me. And I was very surprised when the people I thought were actually genuine and they were genuinely interested in my welfare Uh, they were the ones who would, you know, ask me, hey, Sarah, what are you doing? Have you started your business yet? Initially, they were like, why? That's not a good idea. But once I started, you know, I just felt like I'm seeing a different side to them. And I don't know whether I should feel sorry for them because they haven't been able to break through or whether I should just, you know, cut them off and think that they were never good in the first place.
1: Yeah, I I heard there's many ways this expression has been said. I'm just going to use the one that comes to my head first. Um, If you want to understand your income or if you want to understand your potential, just look at your 10 closest associates. Mm -hmm. And the more you surround yourself with people who are just miserable, they're at the same place you're at in life and they don't desire anything greater, that's where you're going to get stuck. That's true. The best thing you can do is surround yourself with the people who are doing what you want to Mm -hmm. do.
0: That is true. So Matthew, going back to the phrase that we were talking about, when the growth pain is, you know, is less than the desire for change. And when you finally decide that okay, I cannot have it anymore, let's talk about it a little bit more. That transition period.
1: Um, what what specifically? Because that's such an open topic. I don't want to go down the wrong road, road. That's
0: a <laughs> Yeah, that's a very, so I would, you know, I, I would really love to know. Um, I know that most of the times when people are making those big changes in life, it is a change in isolation. It is something that you're doing all by yourself. And that isolation period is painful. And what I have understood by hearing so many other stories is that the internal dialogue you have with yourself, the conversations you have with yourself, they can either build you up and allow you to have that breakthrough, or they can either elongate that transition period.
1: Got it. Okay. So I'm going to answer this kind of long-windedly, but I think it's important. So looking back at the entire time I stayed stuck, I, I had numerous, if not dozens of opportunities where leaving would have made more financial sense. Mm -hmm. It would have been a smarter, safer move. I I would have had a lot more peace of mind in doing it, but I just couldn't bring myself to take the risk. Um, When I finally did it, I did. So what I mean by that is during those periods, I I had no kids, I had no mortgage. um, So, there was a whole lot less pressure if mm-hmm. I made a decision and it didn't work out. Yeah. Okay. No harm, no foul. I could always go back with my tail between my legs. When I finally hit my breaking point, I had two kids, um, both at the like five and one, um, a mortgage, car payments, school, you name it. Most people at that point would be like, you're seriously out of your mind. Like you're, you're going from a six figure job, To a low five-figure consulting gig Mm -hmm. with a family to support. Yeah. And for me, I think really that gravity is what drove me forward to say, I can't accept failure. Like there is no going back. Because if I fail, everyone's screwed.
0: Yeah. You are carrying the weight of your entire family. And there is really no margin to play around. It has to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there was no like year of savings. It was kind of like, we're good for 30 days. Uh, I better figure this out pretty quick. Wow. But I realized not not making that decision. I might not be here at all because like the job was that bad, like the physical stress uh, there were days that I actually would take my lunch break and drink in my car before going back in just to get myself through the next four or six hours.
0: Wow. This is so powerful. So it's like you really couldn't take it anymore, any longer. And despite having... No. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I was doing everything in my power, including self-medicating, just to try to continue doing it.
0: Self-medicating. Wow. Yeah. That's just a... It's... How much you were internally and in your mind rejecting your current circumstances, you know, and were not ready to carry on before making that change. I, I'm just, you know, still processing how you had two kids, your wife, everybody to support, and you only were sure about the next 30 days. That is still is in my head. How did that go? Um, you
1: know, there was a conversation because clearly that's not a decision I'd want to make unilaterally. But there was no mystery to anyone how unhappy mm-hmm. I was. It was really affecting everything to such a yeah. negative extent that I, I think everyone, even my parents, uh, my mother was already passed away, but even my father at that point kind of understood that not taking that risk and making that change, I was going to lose everything anyway. Mm-hmm. The only question was going to be who's, whose terms is it on.
0: I'm slightly moved here because it's, you know, when you say that everybody around you could see how miserable it was making you and that you were going to lose everything anyway. And, you know, just giving it a shot maybe a chance for you to redeem yourself and redeem your life. And that must have been a massive decision for the entire family.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. I have to be incredibly thankful for the support that I got to do it. Because if I didn't, I mean, who knows where I'd be right now?
0: Mm -hmm. I would love to, you know, transform into Matthew's mind, (laughs) the one who is making that transition and, you know, talking to the family and telling himself that I can do it. You obviously weren't even sure yourself because you just had a couple. I I remember you mentioning that you had some consulting gigs and that's about it, right? There is no path paved. How did you maneuver through that?
1: Um, you know, I looked at it as an opportunity to try to get back to figuring out what I wanted to do. So the the consulting gigs that I took Mm -hmm. just covered, I think the mortgage and maybe a car payment. So at least I knew no one would be homeless if I kept doing that. And the extra time that I got back allowed me to really Mm -hmm. sit down, immerse myself back in my writing Um, think about some other things that I wanted to do. So outside of pen for hire, like while all of this was going on, I've always been interested in real estate. So I went and got my real estate license, um, strictly for the sake of saying I did it. Next thing I know, people started saying, Oh, you got your real estate license. Can you help me buy this? Can you help me sell Mm -hmm. that? So I started making money. I never planned on making just because I I took the step to get the license. Mm -hmm. So that money started. Helping alleviate some of the stress. And I was really able to get more clarity. Um, and then there was that moment of panic, right? Because now that's going on. The pandemic happens, shuts down my my consulting gig. Also put a major uh, roadblock in real estate operations in New York because, you know, people weren't opening their homes. It was just the... A... So now it's like, oh, wait, we're we're back here again. And that's when I met the, the gentleman who needed the book. Mm-hmm. And the universe, it was almost like the universe, every single time I got hit in the face was like, don't quit
0: hmm the story came full circle just right there
1: and to bring it back to mindset i tend to wonder if you know the universe is nothing more than my my mindset saying this has to work right Mm -hmm. when you're when you really believe there are other opportunities and there's things you can do they'll present themselves
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know i really like how you mentioned that the universe is you know just it can be just my mindset um a part of this statement um, is quite relatable. And a part of it, it just leads to some mysticism. Like, how how is the universe functioning? If I decide to make a change, how much does it help me? And, you know, saying how, how you were mentioning everything fell in place, you met the gentleman, and then you, you know, started your career as a ghostwriter. And that was a precursor to several positive events in your life. And we'll get to that. But how the gentleman came into your life and how everything played out, you got your real estate license. It seems like things were actually paved out for you, whether you knew about them or not. You just had to really decide to walk on that path.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You were saying something?
1: Oh, that, that you know, you and I had this conversation when we first met that interconnectedness. Again, it's something that you hear a lot about. There are tons of books on mm-hmm. it. There's science on it. And when you're not benefiting from it, and maybe benefiting is not the right word, but when you're not actually experiencing it, mm-hmm. it's so easy to be like, oh, it's all BS. But once you change your mindset and realize like, wait a minute, there's plenty of people out there doing this or or doing better things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do people create what they create? It's not because they're smarter. It's not because they have more money. I mean, maybe sometimes it is. But for the most part, it's because they've committed to doing it and they know why they're doing it.
0: Yes, 100%. It is not because they're smarter, because that is what I thought myself. You know, I thought people who are able to break free or have probably they just have all those skills. But, you know, when when I hear entrepreneurs talk, when I hear people who have made the massive changes talk, can be Oscar winners, can be Olympians, people have made it big. It just seems like there are regular people who have decided to make it big and then they put in the effort and the universe does its work, you know? Yeah.
1: They they would not accept failure as an option and you hit it on the head. They put in the work.
0: They put in the work.
1: You know, that's a lot of people want to say, well, how, how come they got it and I didn't? Mm -hmm. Well, that person spent 80 hours a week building their vision. You spent eight minutes before bed or- You know, you spoke to your friend about it and then you never did anything with it. That's why it didn't happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's interesting, Matthew, and this is uh, when you were talking, when we were talking about how the universe plays a role and um, I, I read about it a lot. I research into this all the time. And so I'm always, still today, having read hundreds of stories, I'm still always so fascinated when I hear a new story and they say, oh, this worked out this way. You know, I didn't expect the source of income to start here. I didn't expect this person to pop up from out of nowhere. He offered help and things worked out. And it really makes me wonder, you know, this interconnectedness that we are a part of and a very interactive component of this interconnectedness. If we are not aware that we are in this interconnectedness, we may never be able to use any of the possibilities that it offers, living a passive life.
1: Yeah. It, funny you say that. I, I met a gentleman yesterday um, yeah. who, he's a he's a Marine veteran and he started this entire platform, um, works heavily with veterans. Hopefully, you know, we're going to do some great work together, helping them tell their stories. But I I was visiting this community site that he built um, just to get some background. And there's a video on there from one of the entrepreneurs who lost his life savings like three or four times investing in the stock market. He was driving an Uber and decided to not give up, like knew he could make money with investing. He had just gotten some bad breaks Mm -hmm. and now he's a millionaire. Wow. All from not on investing. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's really powerful. A millionaire. What else can you ask for, right? If if you make the right investment, there you go.
1: And I mean, he's actively doing it, right? So it's not, I love this saying, it's not how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get up.
0: It truly is. It truly is. And that's like, those are like the golden words. And when you start, you know, following that path for you, it truly feels like it's not about how many failures you have, but what are you doing about those failures? How are you getting up? Are you even getting up or are you ready to quit? Because it seems like the universe tests you a lot of times before it gives you what you really want.
1: And are you learning from those mistakes? Because there is a fine line between dedication and stupidity, right? Mm -hmm. If, If you get knocked down 50 times and you get up and keep making the same mistake, all right, that that's maybe a different conversation, but at least if yeah. you're learning something each time and each time you get knocked down isn't for the exact same reason. Mhm. I think that's really where the where the prize is.
0: Yeah, that's like where the heart of, you know, all of this is. This transition. A situation will keep repeating itself unless and until you learn your lesson, and that's only when it's going to leave you. So that's a lesson for me. Sometimes I need to remind myself, obviously, you know, like going through becoming being an entrepreneur, just building something from the ground up. There's so many challenges that come in the way there's so many learnings. And I keep reminding myself, I just have to keep going. You know, if I've had five things which didn't work out as expected, but two things which did, I'll be focused on the ones that did work out and keep moving. That's, that's the role I'm playing to trust in the process, and to keep moving even when things get difficult.
1: Yeah, you, you can constantly lament everything that didn't go your way, but the one thing that does could be more positive than the four that didn't.
0: Yeah, 100%. So now you have your own business, Pen for Hire, and from what I see and from what I know about you, you're doing pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to define what well is, but can Compared to where I was at, if you would have told me five years ago that I would have clients with PhDs paying me to write their story, that I would have folks like John David Mann, who wrote The Go-Giver on my podcast three different times for three different books, I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> I'd be like, how would I, like, why would they want to talk to me? Why would they want to pay me? Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I, I guess I look at that and it's it's really humbling that I could have been doing this all along, or maybe I just needed to get to that point in order to truly appreciate the opportunity to, to do
0: it. 100%. 100%. So now how does your, how, how is your nervous system, Matthew? <laughs> now, how does it feel like waking up every day in the morning?
1: So I'm not going to pretend like there's no stress and that life is just great because you're doing what you want. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely an entirely different feeling because every day that I get out of bed, I know one, I am in complete control of how my day goes. Two, there are Mm -hmm. people who genuinely are counting on me to get done what I said I was going to get done and not just because Mm -hmm. it's going to their trillion dollar bottom line. Like These are people who are also looking to follow their passion and make positive changes in the world. And that sense of responsibility gives me the fuel. Whereas the other sense of responsibility, like if I don't show up, the bank can't open today. Well, I don't really care. Um, that's not my problem. Now, like, if I don't show up, this client's not going to get their book done. If their book's not going to get done, they're not going to have it for the event they're speaking at. The hundred people in attendance might not get to take their message home with them. That really changes my perception on why I do what I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is just, so you're saying that it could be that you wake up and you still have stresses, but the kind of a stress is very different. It's not, you're not dragging yourself into it. You have a good kind of a stress in a way that it propels you to do more.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's always the stresses of being an entrepreneur. You know, there's, there's always that question of, Oh, it's the end of the month. am I going to make payroll. Um, or, you know, you got the two clients didn't pay. Like, what do I do? There, so there was always that there, so true. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in, the, in yeah. the other job, the paycheck's always there every other Thursday. But, yeah. you know, it's so much easier to deal with that stress now, knowing that the rest of my day is going to go how I plan for the most part.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So despite having those challenges where you're like, okay, you know, the paycheck is not secure. I still need to be making, you know, for example, Ten thousand dollars more to make sure that everything is running smoothly, the engine of the business is running smoothly, and so on. However, it doesn't seem like a drag. It still seems like a good challenge that you're up for,
1: yeah. And as long as I remain positive and believe that everything's gonna work out, I can't tell you how many times I've started going down the negative mindset of I sent out three proposals today. no one no one replied or they all said no. And then out of nowhere, someone I spoke to like nine months ago and sent a proposal to will just reach out out of nowhere and say, hey, do you have availability? I want to get this project started and pay you in full. Okay, yes, let's do that.
0: Yeah, wow. So, you know, I think a lot of people who are listening would then, you know, think about this in a way that it does take a point where you're ready to make a change. And that point is critical. That's when you're finally say that, okay, I cannot keep doing what I'm doing if it's not serving me, if it's not serving my higher purpose. I have to make that transition. And while you're in that new life, your transitioned life, you are still going to be experiencing some challenges and will be growing with that challenges. The version of you who's earning, let's say, a million dollars, is not the same version of you right now there ha- there is growth required and so you will be i think we're put in situations where we have to grow and become mentally agile and mentally strong enough to mentally strong enough to stay and grow in that transition period and finally become the person who's now also earning well and earning a million dollars or whatever milestones you set for yourself
1: yeah, and that's something even now recently, just this year, that became clearer for me. Um, you know, working with a coach and a consultant, there's always this push for what you want to achieve, goal setting. And for them, a lot of those goals are always like we're conditioned for them to be financial goals, right? I want to hit certain amount of money and revenue, or I, I want the business to be worth this. When in reality, that should come as a product of achieving what's meaningful to you. I, I feel like when I'm mm-hmm. not chasing yeah. money, things are much easier. I don't need, I mean, would a million dollars be nice? Sure. But for the, for the reason that then I'd have more time to do more of the things that I, I wish I could do, like volunteer with veterans and help them tell their stories without having to charge them what I know they can't necessarily afford to pay. Um, not taking mm-hmm. on clients that I know I'm not going to enjoy working with because I need to pay my mortgage. So there, money, Is a necessary evil in life, but there does come Mm -hmm. a point where, you know, why do I need ten million dollars? What what am I going to do with ten million dollars? My kids will be just fine with much less.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, and you know, not losing focus is like the main thing. Like you can be earning much more money, but what is it doing to you? It's still going to be working as a tool to give you more time to still keep fulfilling your purpose.
1: Yeah, too many times I I see it myself with some of my clients. The money becomes, it becomes the sole purpose, right? So it's no longer doing what you wanted it for, right? It's not providing Mm -hmm. you the freedom. You've you've made enough to have that freedom, but now you're addicted to making it and your sole purpose becomes making more of it, right? And then you you hear these stories of people who like had everything taken away from them um, and they were so addicted to the lifestyle that they just don't know what to do with themselves now that it's gone.
0: Yeah, that is true. I see that very often. I think it's, it's now become a culture. The more you earn, the more, you know, hyped it is on social media. It, it's seen, it's seen as a metric for success. And in a way it is a metric for success if you're doing well financially, but it is not a goal to me that I would want to achieve in terms of fulfilling my purpose. Yeah. I still look at it as a tool.
1: It is a tool. And even as a metric, it's not always the most accurate metric, right? Because the person you're idolizing on social media who made all of this money, how how did they make it, right? Did they make it in a way that was aligned with their vision and purpose? Or did Mm they they borrow, steal, um, con people? Right. You you read about it all the time. In, uh, influencers who are asking for free meals so they can put it on there. God, you're making your yeah. money off somebody else instead of with somebody else.
0: Yeah. Ethically or unethically. Exactly. Yeah. That's a lot these days. I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people like when I go on social media, there's There are a lot of people right now who want to offer advice and suggestions and consulting because they say that they have made so much money doing that themselves. And there are just, I see a lot of, you know, uh, pitfalls for people who are buying those stories because they're not always accurate.
1: Yeah. I mean, every day you log on to your social media, there's someone else selling a course or a, a coaching of, you know, you can be like me you know what, if you really need that much money and you're really that fulfilled, why are you selling a Facebook course for $37?
0: That is true. That is true. Very well put. if you really, and if you're pleased
1: to give back, Make it available for free. Tell the whole world how to do it. Hundred percent. But you know, you're this billionaire, and here you are hawking a thirty-seven-dollar course. I don't know. I have
0: questions. That is that is so true. I like how you playfully mention something that is so critical over here, Matthew. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people got the hint that oh yeah, I never really thought about it that way. You know, I love yeah, how. Yeah.
1: I was just gonna say, do some homework, people. Don't don't just believe what people are selling you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I I just want to underscore how valuable things that you have said today are for me as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure are for other people, because you have really prioritized things which matter. And that is working with intention is staying true to your purpose, understanding that money is a tool, understanding that this is a journey with challenges, and you will have growth pains in your new path, even though it's in an, an alignment with your soul. You will have stresses, but they're not the kind of stresses which will propel you backwards. And it's important to have a positive mindset so you don't go back spiraling down.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Matthew.
1: It's been my pleasure, Sarah.
0: So, Matthew, where can people find you if they want to contact you and avail the services of Pen for Hire?
1: Absolutely. Best place would be the website, Pen for Hire NYC. That's as in newyorkcity.com. Uh there's mm-hmm. a Booking link there, everyone can book for a free 30-minute consultation where we can talk about whatever their potential project might be. Um, You can email me directly, matt, M-A-T-T, at penforhirenyc.com. Social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, all penforhirenyc, I believe, um, or just penforhire, but everything's pretty much uh, uniform. So if you're looking for for penforhire, you'll find us. Logo is the icon for everything.
0: Perfect. We'll have all the details below for Matthew. If you want to reach out, please feel free to do that. And yeah, a big congrats to Matthew for what he's doing. It's making a massive difference. And I'm sure you're going to keep getting, you know, those hints from the universe that you're on the right path.
1: Yeah, I I truly never even connected the dots until I met you. So I'm going to end this by saying you're like another one of those hints from the universe that I'm on the right path.
0: That is that is so sweet Matthew. <laughs> that is so sweet. I'm happy I played a role. Thank you.